Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View. It's the second day of markets reacting to external forces around the region. It is all still pretty red. But there is some glimmer of hope. There is some good news coming out of some quarters. I'll leave you to find out from JP Ong. I'm Clarissa Montero. This is Market View. JP Ong, our just arrived from vacation finance presenter. Well, you know, you went away and the markets just went to red. I know. It's like it waited for me to it waited take for off you and go like, hey, off. is he gone? Is he, is he busy with <laughs> his dogs this at the trick moment? On no. You. Um, so I don't know exactly where these bright spots are at the moment, Clarissa, because it doesn't seem like there's a ton of them in the market still. And it's a repeat of Monday. Now, um, I might have been off yesterday, but I did notice that there was this big sell-off and markets all pulling back. I seldom use these words when I look at sell-offs, but there's some bleeding in the markets today. Mm-hmm. It's all red. And when you look across the board again, you just have to look at the Straits Times Index, which is pulled back by about 0.6% today, and now at 3,144 points. So so it's fallen. It, it keeps on break, falling below some of these support levels at the moment, 3,300, 3,200. And uh, you're seeing a, a, an encore of some sorts, um, a negative encore across many other markets in the region. The Nikkei 225 is down by about, one, by about 1%. The Shanghai and the Shenzhen boards are also losing ground. The Shenzhen is bleeding in particular. They're down by about 2 and, and no relief in the Hang Seng as well, because you're seeing signs in Hong Kong. I mean, there still is, they're still dealing with the aftermath of the recent round of protests mm-hmm. also, on top of how some of these escalated trade tensions are actually going to sure. hit, hit their shores, because they're, they're seen as a bridge between China and the rest of the world. A lot of folks like mm-hmm. to use Hong Kong as a bit of a, staying, a staging ground to launch any sort of uh, economic or business campaigns into China. Uh, Hong Kong is down by about 1%. The Kospi also down by a similar amount. This comes down really to the fact uh, that there is concern that, that, that the Chinese yuan itself will weaken past 7 to the 7 to the US dollar, and it has. Currently, yep, it has. the onshore and the offshore are both at about 7. But today we did get some news also that it seems that the yuan, at least, is they've decided to fix the yuan at the mid midpoint range close to that particular level, to 7. But some analysts that we've spoken to also and economists say that it's actually a lot stronger than they were expecting. Yes. So That was uh, the bright spot I was talking about. Yeah, but you know, it's not much of a bright spot because when you look at the fixing we'll take point it. also... Um, no. Well, you'll take it if it's just a drop. But really, I mean, it's not that uh, significant because they have fixed the point at 6.96 against the U.S. dollar. You're practically at 7 anyway. Yeah, it's true. them really setting it at that level. And you have the U.S. now coming back and saying, you know, we're going to file a petition against the IMF. Currency manipulator. Calling you a currency manipulator. But again, I've been speaking to some economists about this and just how uh, valid this, this claim of currency manipulation mm-hmm. is. So usually if you're saying you're manipulating it, you're keeping it artificially weak so mm-hmm. to help prop up your exports and make them look more interesting. So yes, the Chinese government or the Chinese yuan is a fixed currency. Thus, you can say it is being manipulated. Yeah. But over the last couple of months and definitely the last couple of years, we've seen that the Chinese yuan, there has been a favor to keep it actually strong. Mm-hmm. And so if you're manipulating it, yes, you might say that they are manipulating it, but they're manipulating it to strength. So I don't know how that's really playing into this idea that they're manipulating the Chinese currency to make their exports more favorable right. down the road. And now that they've also decided, hey, you know what, we're going to set the midpoint actually at 6.96 because we don't want it to get too weak. Mm-hmm. That kind of plays against the argument of the U.S. that they are a currency manipulator. In fact, the argument also is that if the People's Bank of China decided to just say, you know what, we're just going to let the markets dictate things, mm-hmm. this could actually weaken to even more, maybe seven and a half 
half? Could it even approach threaded eight? I'm not really sure. It could be a lot weaker if the People's Bank of China did not keep it within this tight trading band, sure. which is not in their interest either because a weaker yuan also makes it less attractive to have your investments and to earn in yuan in China. And you could see capital outflows out of mainland markets mm-hmm. too. So it's a bit head-scratching to see this claim. And yes, uh, we, we have to establish that yes, it's a fixed currency. And you can thus say that most fixed currencies might be accused of currency manipulation, but are they manipulating it to make their exports look better versus other currencies, versus other uh, other economies? You know, that might not hold water, especially when you consider that just a couple of months ago, you actually had the U.S. release that watch list. Mm-hmm. And they said, these are the currency manipulators. Um, these are the ones on the watch list. I think they were actually hinting, if I'm not mistaken, Singapore was being hinted at as being sure. one of those. That yes. The MAS did come out and say, by the way, we don't do that. And they said, we vehemently don't do that. But taking your words into consideration. Sure. Um, but when they asked them why China's not on that list, they said, well, we don't see any signs of that right now. So why the U-turn suddenly over the last couple of months? Is it because they've decided to let the markets dictate things? And when you look at the language for the yuan, a lot of folks are saying that China is not fixing it lower. They're actually allowing the yuan to weaken. Thus, sure. they're letting the markets determine it even more than it's used to be. So why? Is, I guess that's the big question, the head scratcher for markets today is, does that really hold water? Nevertheless, the sign of a weaker yuan is not making U.S. officials happy. But whether or not they can argue that this is manipulation, mm. it's a bit of a flimsy boat, really. This is what, what's keeping market. A, it could just be a strategy as part of their ongoing strategy within that U.S.-China trade span. I mean, the, what the message between the lines here might also be because I fixed it practically at 7 to the mm-hmm. U.S. dollar. I'm just keeping it two hairs below that just to let you know that, hey, I'm not approaching that, mm-hmm. but this is the direction I might be going. It could just right. be a signal from Beijing also. But again, is that really currency manipulation? Does that really fall under that? It's going to be difficult to, uh, to, to defend that in a court of law. Only one of the factors driving the markets, whichever way they're going today. Yes, and I think it's going to be that case until we see a bit of a ba- of a stand down. I think if you're looking for signs of maybe some glimmers, I wouldn't mm-hmm. even say it's good news, but just yeah. glimmers of potential good news, we're seeing some of the, this flight of safety start to just ease off a little bit. Now, folks are still heading for these safe haven assets, but for one, we saw the Japanese yen strengthened to below 106 to the US dollar yesterday. Now it's at 106 spot 71. And I think the, the hope here is that the Bank of Japan will say, OK, now is the time we really have to come in and, and start to provide more stimulus to the uh, to the economy and perhaps just and try to lift the and try to get the, the yen out of this uber strengthening that the trend that it's on. Um, we're seeing gold prices also starting to ease off a little bit after approaching 1,500 against the U.S., uh, 1,500 a, a troy ounce as well. Mm-hmm. So there that are signs. That was a signs, big move, though. There was a big move. But I think that the overall trend is still looking rather high. And I think markets, investors are just saying, hey, did we rush it a little bit too much? On these, on these safe havens, but definitely they're still leaning and tilting toward safe haven assets. I think the question for investors today is, well, have we overdone it a little bit? Have we poured a little bit too much water into the jug at the moment? But still, the uh, the tendency is to try to pour more water into that jug of safe havens. Well, I think part of that is really because there is so much uncertainty, whichever side of the world you look at right mm. now. I was just trying to figure out where in the world right now is there a happy geopolitical situation? Doesn't seem to be. I think twi- if you twist my arm at the moment, the fact that the U.S. and Japan might come to a bilateral bilateral trade agreement by September, as both sides have said, we're going to work feverishly to accomplishing mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. That's probably the only thing I can think of at the moment. But you're seeing a lot of uncertainty also and minor flash. To be honest, this um, escalation of rhetoric makes Brexit kind of look a little bit small, to be honest, for, oh, for me. Oh, but, you know, of Eng- course, England tell that, really tell that hasn't your, woken up yet. Yes, to, uh, to, uh, and tell that to, uh, of course, tell that to European investors who are watching what kind of blowback that'll have in their region. Right. But I think in the grand scheme of things, you're talking about the world's 
world's two largest economies mm-hmm. going head to head, starting to escalate this rhetoric once again, and and how that might impact a lot of economies that are tethered to them. For one, Germany considers China to be a huge source of uh, a lot of their customer base actually comes from China. And the U.S. and and the European regions not exactly on the friendliest terms right now. They're not on right the now, friendliest either. terms either. So um, where if where you're is asking, this geopolitical happy place? To find some of these happy places or these or these or these signs of uh, hope. I'm going to need a big magnifying glass. I might even well, need a microscope. I, I suppose that does lead to where the markets are going right now. It's it's there is that that amount of uncertainty. There is that flight to safety. There are also a lot of very wise investors who are sitting on the sidelines, maybe looking and waiting to see where the the deals are. I think, maybe. But the thing, I don't know. So here, so but the thing is now, if you're looking for play, for a bit of a rebound, if it's oversold or not. I mean, if if we start to see an, a further escalation of tariffs, like ten percent, mm-hmm. if we start to see the yuan weaken even further past seven, I mean, this kind of changes the not the paradigm, but you can definitely say it changed some of the first order assumptions that you have in the market. Your yep. pricing markets is saying that these levels will hit, but now that you've changed that, um, you it it might beg a structural a question of uh, you know a, stru- a question of whether or not structurally these these investments are to be valued at these particular levels and mm-hmm. could lead to a an actual shift downward of certain sure. valuations. I mean, uh, again, you, you look at some of these other markets, the Kospi is down by about 1% so far today. Uh, the Straits Times Index, we were talking about it holding on and successfully breaching 3,400 just a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago. Right. And today, Maybe not there's, this week. there's even a chance it might fall below 3,100. You're talking sure. about a 300-point shift right. in the last. So is that uh, is that shift overdone? Is it not? Do you know, <laughs> cycles like this have come around before. And I remember this from years ago. Um, if you have very, very deep pockets and a great deal of Patience. Now might be your time. Yes. And now, we're not talking about people like us. Of course. <laughs> if you have deep pockets, now might be a good time. But is this is the time to go in now? Mm-hmm. Or they're yeah, going to sit on the sidelines and wait. We, are, uh, we talk about cycles. We are yep. at the start of a new cycle of... Mm-hmm of tensions sure. in the trade war. You know, China said, yeah, you know what? We're not going to buy as many agricultural goods, no soybean and, co- and corn mm-hmm, purchases mm-hmm. from you, And US. that's going to have some repercussions. And that's going to have some repercussions down the road. We And uh, now you also have, uh, to compound this, the issues between Japan and South Korea. Mm-hmm. You have the issues with the U.S. And, and the EU who are preparing to talk. It seems that the U.S. is willing to start just taking no prisoners at the moment sure. and trying to reset world the world order in terms of trade towards their terms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we haven't even touched on, on Trump continued to nudge the Fed going, hey, I told you to lower rates. I told you to lower rates. Right. Are you listening? In fact, when he tweeted against China, letting the yuan weaken that level, one of the lines he had there was, are you listening, Fed? So no one is spared at the moment. No, no, no one, one is spared at the moment. Maybe, thankfully, Singapore has got a short trading week ahead of National Day weekend and also the uh, religious holiday of Hari Raya Haji. Maybe next week when we all come back to work uh, or some people come back to work. Well, we're make... taking a break. We're taking the rest a break. Of the world World, not, I'm not. I don't think they are as much. We might be taking a break, but, but remember, the, the global markets don't stop. Yeah. Don't stop for us either. So, no, no, they yeah. are. But maybe you know, next week the the markets will come back mm-hmm. with fresh eyes and f- fresh sentiment. Right. And that's the only thing we can do, but uh, there's a lot that's not in our control, I believe. Okay, so what was value turnover today? Value turnover today is looking... uh, How about this? So we're about, uh, what is it, 20 minutes into the afternoon Mm -hmm, session, mm -hmm. and we've already seen 803 million Singapore dollars in total turnover. In selling, I take it? It's all, I mean, the STI is down by about 0.7%. You have 324 losers Mm -hmm. against 97 gainers. 
Because, I mean, you tell me which, which direction turnovers are. <laughs> All right, which, which tell us some, some of these n- not losers. Who are they? Okay, so when you look at some of these not losers, there are a handful that are actually picking up. For one, Wilmar International is still up by about 1.3%. Really? But I think it's also because they are preparing to list one of their major Chinese units out in China. And it continues to garner interest, at least mm-hmm, for Wilmar mm-hmm. International and the big markets that might open up for Wilmar moving forward. I mean, China now, because they are shifting away from U.S. Agric- agricultural products. Will need to buy from somewhere will else. Will need to be, buy from somewhere else. And, and Wilmar happens to be, well, they're, they're no small. There's no small fry in the agricultural space. Right. And the, and the we just happen space. to have some stuff you might be we, interested yeah. in. <laughs> so, so the fact that they are IPOing and naturally trying to boost, bolster their presence in China, it, it's it's uh, rather, it might, there are some interesting opportunities and rather interesting timing also for Wilmar to do it, given a lot of these things that are not in our control might yield some opportunities for mm-hmm. these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Wilmar International is up How by about the banks? one. The banks are not doing well. If a OCBC is the best of the worst. Okay. They're down by about 0.3% to $11.05. It's off markets yesterday, but I, but I remember seeing a peek at the banking sector here and noticing that there was a lot of bit of hemorrhaging, actually, for some of the stocks there. And uh, and I think the question now is, if this does uh, feed into a global slowdown even more, mm-hmm. who is going to actually borrow money to try and try and bolster future CapEx, future business expansion, future sure. business investment? And this could hit some of the banks also. Um, very, very interesting, too, is that uh, they, most of the banks came off of a rather stellar second quarter. Yes, they did. But will they be able to sustain that? And the thing I noticed also, especially with you from UOB's report, was they they credited their eight percent uh, growth in second quarter profits to uh, a continued pickup in trading activity and investment income, mm-hmm. despite that turbulence we saw in May and June. But you talk about turbulence, guess what? It's visited us again. What's that going to do moving forward? So later on this afternoon, I'll be speaking to Krishna Guha, who's who's a vice president, senior analyst at Jefferies. He covers the banking sector, sure. And we're going to canvas what happened to the report card, and I have to ask him also about how some of these uh, these new developments on the trade front might impact the global economic slowdown mm-hmm. and might impact Singapore's banks, which are being lauded as a an alternative safe haven from the REITs because sure. of the dividends that they can they can they can they can hoist up and also because despite that turbulence we saw in the second quarter, they actually performed rather well. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Also on our prime time later today is a panel discussion yes. on um, what's going on basically. So we've got an economist and we've got an investor, an investment manager joining us later on, Salvin mm-hmm. Kumaran, who has been on the show before. From oh, Black I enjoy him. Yeah, will be joining I like his us. Insights. And if you think that's uh, and and uh, that's entertaining itself, we have Song Seung Woon from CIMB joining us on the phone as well to talk also about the macroeconomic potential, uh, macroeconomic right. implications moving forward. Keep in mind too that on Thursday, China is set to release their trade figures. So the the, the party doesn't stop there. If we start to see more uh, more of a deceleration in terms of Chinese exports and trade activity, this could compound compound some of the fear in the markets that's driving the sell off as well. So um, still a lot of data to parse through. And what this means, we'll be talking. Well, this is not the last. We'll be. will be. This is not the last time we'll be tackling some of these issues. Well, definitely some uh, some things to look forward to on prime time today with Howie Lim, Bernard Lim, and JP Ong as well. But for now, this has been Market View with JP Ong. I'm Clarissa Montero. You're on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.